Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Lovability Show. Um, I'm your host, Jennifer Stiers. Uh, you better know who I am if you're here, right? Oops, my phone's not off. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> good timing, whoever you were. Uh, I am here today. Um, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am here today with my good friend, Michael Moulton, M to the Rock. Many of you know him. He's been on my show many times. He had his uh, has his own show, um, and uh, he is... He, he's not an addiction specialist. I'm going to let him tell you uh, what he does, but he is an addiction specialist. He's, he's been through it. Um, he, he's lived through it. He's living it every day. And uh, he's got a, a lot to share. Um, he's, he's all heart and soul. So you guys are going to love him. Um, he's he's going to probably come at some of this stuff a little different than you're used to, but you're going to love him. So welcome, Michael. Thanks Thank for you, being Jennifer. Here. That was actually me texting you. It was. Just to let you know we're going live. No, okay. I wasn't texting you. <laughs> what an honor to be on the show again. And um, I really appreciate you. And, and people need to know we're very close friends. And you've helped me a lot through a lot of things. And you're the real deal. So this is and what an honor to uh, talk about. Well, stuff. yeah. You know what? Um, I, I've known you for, for several years and I've appreciated your work. As a matter of fact, before the show started today, uh, Ziggy, our producer, thanked Michael, too, for some of the things that Michael's uh, taught because some of your principles have changed his life. Yeah, that's uh, cool. And there's nothing better than having, you know, seeing and knowing the impact you make on people based on just your story and what you've been through and the way that you serve now because of that. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. In order to keep it, we got to give it away. Yeah. So it, oh, yeah. it goes, goes for all of us. And um, it's good to see Ziggy again. And what a great studio. Yeah, it is wonderful. Well, you know what? Um, we uh, It was perfect timing, too, because we wanted to do a show together. And it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. And there's so many things to talk about with mental health. I mean, we are... Um, after COVID, you know, it, everything really came to a peak. I mean, depression, suicide, there were so many things that people were, were and are still dealing with. And uh, so I, I hope that today as we, uh, as we talk about the subject of addiction, which was on a rise, the rise during yeah. COVID yeah. Uh, tremendously, uh, and some of the other illnesses that, um, that people have, like depression, I really want to handle it with love. And I want to make sure that there isn't a stigma attached because at the end of the day, mental illness has probably touched every one of our lives. Um, my, I was married to uh, a man, my late husband, uh, who had a mental illness, and I lived through that and have many stories about that. But um, but and a lot of people don't know that. But uh, but it happens, <laughs> and it's out there, and it's it is you know we we need to understand that with any kind of mental illness that's truly a mental illness in the brain, which some of the things we're talking about today aren't. Um, but but uh, if it's something in the brain that you can, you can change that through medication, um, and that's super important. It's important that the stigma's gone because I can't tell you how many people yeah. I've tried to refer to get on medication yeah. because they need it and they don't want to get on it because they're afraid people are going to find out or there's going to be a stigma attached. And if there's a if there's a chemical imbalance in your brain, you don't have a choice. Yeah, you don't have a choice. So, well, mental health, you know, you know what I always do on 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 my platform is is be completely transparent and vulnerable, mm -hmm. and you know I share my personal experiences to try to help others. Right. And 
as you know, you know, in February, you know, I just had a meltdown, you know, I'm still clean and sober, which is great, but yeah. you know, I've been fighting, you know, mental illness for a long time. And, and it's for a man, you know, I can only speak for men. It's really hard to admit that because it's easy to admit we got cancer or, or even alcoholism or drug addiction. But when it came to mental health issues, I felt weak, you know, I, I felt like a woman would never date me. You know, I, I would feel that I wasn't, you know, a man and it's quite the opposite. You know, I was diagnosed bipolar in February and I can mm -hmm. say that now. I mean, yeah. when, when they told me that I had bipolar disorder, I thought they said I had pancreatic cancer. I mean, it devastated me. You know, I, I never wanted to be that guy. Right. But what's so amazing is, is that God allows these things to happen to, so that we can use it to share with others. And that's what I love doing. I had to process it. And you and I've talked a lot about it lately. And you know, it's not bad, you know, we're, we're it's not getting good. It's about getting well and take my medication and, right. and I'm back. And absolutely. And, you know, the other part of this too, you know, Michael suffered from addiction issues and that's why, you know, he started his platform. But so many people that do have mental illness, um, they self-medicate. That's how they get through life. And so you will find that very often people that are you that do abuse substances sometimes there is mental illness absolutely that. absolutely um, and uh, that is that's the difficult part of people getting on medication is that they feel so different but that's a whole it's a whole other deal so let's um, let's talk so we have Greg and Elton Ron thank you for being here Angie Jenna Cindy um, Mary uh, uh, I know there's other people watching but um, that's who I see right now so welcome to the show thank you for being here love seeing your faces all the time and uh, and by all means any questions or feedback uh, this is what we're here for that's right uh, okay so um, so let's start talking about addiction. So uh, somebody actually messaged me and said, can you just help me understand what addiction is? Mm. And um, also she wanted to know the signs of alcoholism okay, um, and how to spot that with someone. Wow, that's a great question. Yeah. First of all, addiction, you know, a lot of people, you know, they have this, for, they have this stigma about it, you know, and it, we immediately go to alcoholism and, and drugs. Okay. And it's well said. I mean, but, you know, I've come up with a definition of addiction, and an addiction is simply this. It's a person, place, thing, and here's the scary one, or a thought that has become my source. Yeah. So saying that, and we've talked about this, we are all addicts. We are all addicts. And, you know, fortunately, the consequences to drugs and alcohol for me, 27 mug shots and you know, nearly four years incarceration, um, that's what saved my life. Um, I've never been in prison with a guy who had an eating disorder, you know, and, yeah. and that's addiction. So, and I always say this, if, if you can't relate to that and you say, wait a minute, I'm an addict and I use this as an example, this, you know, your cell phone, you know, the cell phone and social media and texting and all of that. I don't do this till after the show, that's but, true. It's a but good point. can you go 24 hours without your cell phone? Yeah. And you put, you say, I can do that. And you put it down, but that's not it. It's the mental obsession. It's like, oh, I need to check it. I need to check it. And, check, and right there that gives, you know, everyone that's listening and watching, true. wow, yes. I am addicted to my cell phone. Yeah. And so you know, there's shopping addiction, there's gambling, there's sex, which we'll talk about that later there's my today. Cat. And there's your cat. We talked about that yesterday. And there's people. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a joke, everybody. And people being, being addicted to people, yes. you know, and being addicted to service work. You know, yeah. a lot of people will stay busy and serve so they don't have to look at themselves. It's 100% the truth. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's That's, addiction. Yeah. I mean, and, and at really, I mean, part of, part of addiction and drama is is just exactly that is looking at the fact that a lot of people that are in that are addicts that uh, constantly uh, draw in um, addicts or chaos chaotic yes. relationships yeah. toxic relationships yeah. um, they are also trying to uh, trying to to um, what is the word just just they create they they create chaos. Yeah, they create chaos to fill that black hole. Yes, yeah, a distraction from their own issues. They don't have to if they can fix somebody else or do something for somebody else. Right. Yeah, you know it's interesting as as a counselor, you have to you have to face this at some point in your life mm -hmm. because we fix people. Right. You know, and at some point in your life, you have to look at. You have to realize that you can't fix people. They can only fix themselves. Right. Number one, which, you know, you get that. But, 
you, everybody has to get real with themselves, you right. know? I mean, everybody has to, to have that, that time place, whether it's through a program right. because they're out of control with something right. or because some of you may not be an addict, but you're, you're doing everything not to face, face your own issues and do the work on your own. And, you know, that's when love evades us and relate, good relationships, healthy relationships evade us. A lot of times it's because we haven't stopped to do the work ourselves. As right. crazy as that sounds, I keep saying it and saying it, that, that is one of the things is, is distracting from your own, from your own well-being. Everybody just distracts differently. Right. right? Well, you nailed it. You said the key word, honesty, you know, and in the 12-step program, the first step, the spiritual principle behind it is honesty. We admit that we are powerless over blank, you know, alcohol, drugs, him, her, that our life has become unmanageable. Right. And, and the way that I did that is that it's, it's when I talk to people and they reach out to me, they call me, you know, and I ask this question, why do you drink? Why do you do drugs? Well, it's because of my wife. It's be and, I, and I always say there is a right answer. So you give me your answer. And they say, well, it's because of my wife. Wrong answer. What's well, because of my job? Wrong answer. It's because of anxiety. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. And they finally just get frustrated and they say, I don't know. Right answer. That is the first step to true honesty. And that's what I did in front of the judge. I just said, I don't know why I drink and do drugs. Um, I need help. I'm willing to go to any length uh, to do it. And change is hard and it's uncomfortable. Because yeah. if I try to do it my way, I'm going to go to prison. <laughs> I like my freedom, Jennifer. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's yeah. the key thing is I don't know why. I don't know why I'm psycho calling someone. I don't know why I keep texting this person. I don't know why I keep getting in the same relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I eat so much. So as you're here, um, let's roll into some of the other addictions that we were going to talk about today because you just hit on them, um, which is love addiction and sex addiction. Yeah. Because it is exactly that too. You people that number one, you can't be alone. Mm -hmm. You can't not be in contact with somebody. Why am I texting them all this? Why can I be, why can I not live without them? Why can I not live without a partner? Right. Um, all of, all of that too. I mean, you, you, you might be a love addict. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's part of the, that's part of the process as well is, is not looking. I've at just recently, you know, we, you and I talked about this the other night is I've recently um, starting to recognize my symptoms, you know, being single again. And, right. and I get into my head going, you know, I, I need somebody because I love family. I love that. I love serving. I like being a man. And, and I have to catch myself and say, I'm not God, you know, God's going to make it bright and clear right where he wants me. And so I can relate to people that, that, that want that to feel whole. Well, I can't be in a relationship until I love myself. Exactly. If I'm not connected to God, I got nothing to give you. Yeah. And, and I think that's the one thing that people um, don't understand. They'll say, I'm okay being alone, but I'm lonely. Yeah. Um, I'm okay being alone and I've done the work, but I really need somebody in my life and I'm lonely. Well, for me, that's selfish. Then, yeah. You're not healed then. Right. I mean, at that point, I don't care how much you try to convince me or everybody else, you're not healed because when you are actually happy alone, you'd love to have a partner. It's a desire to have a partner, but you don't need them. You know, you're not lonely without them. You're full without them, but there's a level of joy and and everything else on top of that icing on the cake that you get by having a partner in your life and someone to share it with um, but just to give you guys a few um, a few signs for love addiction and this is just a little harder to quantify mm -hmm. um, and qualify because they're not actually um, they're not actually so addiction is if you look it up under the DSM, it's addiction to a substance. Yeah. So it's a chemical imbalance. It's addiction to a substance. And because love addiction and sex addiction aren't an addiction to a substance, it's not actually considered an a real addiction, but it is. Um, person, place, thing, or thought that has become our source. Right. Well, you, in your definition, it's perfect. Yeah. 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 So, um, so some of those would be needing to be in love, putting a romantic partner on a pedestal, uh, obsessing over a romantic interest, experiencing cravings, withdrawal, withdrawals, euphoria, and dependency on their partner, needing to fall in love often, uh, seeking emotional comfort from a partner uh, to the point of unrequented love, 
um, and an inability to be alone. And I wanted, I, I went through those. I wanted to list them, and then I want to talk about them mm. because this is what I do for a living, and this is what I do for a living, and also this is something I talk to people about every day. They don't realize that when they when they come to to me or someone else, and they say, you know, I don't know why I overtext. I don't know why I I can't be alone. I don't know why um, I need to be in touch with them all the time. I don't know why um, I, I feel overly, um, overly needy in a relationship. It's because of an addiction. So, uh, so sorry, we have somebody walking in the studio. <laughs> Maybe they want to join our conversation. Um, but super important that you understand that um, there are, there are, this, these are addictions. Like these are, I mean, these these could be obviously attachment styles, but attachments, your attachment style can cause you to have addictive behaviors. Absolutely. Um, and so love addiction is real. Yeah. Sex addiction is real. Yeah. Um, it's based in, a lot of times it's based in childhood, in wounds either uh, um, sexual um, it, you know, misconduct, of, you know, molestation, things like yeah. that, that happen a lot more often than people think. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes with a parent, I mean, the, this wound can easily be triggered by a, by a parent that is not giving what they need to or mm. isn't, isn't present or is completely absent. Um, I find this a lot, a lot of love addicts um, in my practice, um, because they had, uh, absent fathers or mothers. Let me ask you this. What is the solution to love addiction? I mean, how, once this person recognizes that they're a love addict and they come to you, you know, someone's I'm coming to you, like, you know, I talked to you last night and I said, Hey, I need solutions to why am I feeling this way? So right. what's, what's solutions to love addiction? You know, the solution is, I mean, cognitive therapy is, is really the solution. It's, you have to change the way that you're thinking. You have to heal, number one, and then you have to allow your mind to overrule your heart and body. And we can't do that alone, right? You, no, we, we, we really can't. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can once you have the tools. But you don't have the tools on your own. So you do need to talk to somebody and you need to get the tools. Sometimes it's a matter, Michael. It's like I just told somebody yesterday. You've got to stop. You've got to, when you feel the urge to text or call right. or do whatever that thing is that you do because you're obsessing. Right. Obs By the way, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, that kind of, they found some links to that too yeah. with love and sex addiction. So there are, there, there's that link as well, which I think we'll probably It's a sign of mania too. Yeah. It's yeah. a sign of mania. So, but you've got, you, in any of those, you've got to, number one, stop it. Yeah. Recognize it's not healthy. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's like an addiction. It's like, you know, I'm not going to text anymore. Yes. And then 15 minutes later, um, I text. And then after I do it, I feel this guilt, shame. I feel dirty. Yeah. You know, I feel dirty. And it's not that the text is bad. It's just that like, especially when the other person sets a boundary and you know the boundaries there, yeah. but you continue to do it, and then you you just want to crawl in a hole. Like, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah, and that's and you're right. There is shame and yeah. guilt for the behavior, and they will tell you that they can't stop. You know, I don't, I could, I, I didn't know I did it. I couldn't stop myself. Right. So it's compulsive, but. But at the end of the day, when you know whatever the behavior is, whether it's drinking, and I, I, I can't really say drinking because that's chemical, but any type of behavior, that something that you're doing or saying, um, there, the intervention sometimes has to be your own mind. Yeah. Sometimes the intervention has to say, this doesn't work for me. I don't know this, why I'm doing this. Yeah, Help this me. this is not healthy. This doesn't yeah. work for me. I'm not going to do it. Um, this may be this person that texts needs to put her phone away. She's not, she makes a rule that she's not allowed to text right. somebody unless they've texted her first. Right. Right. Um, so it's just things like that where sometimes you have to create a new belief system, mm -hmm. heal first, because there's healing that needs to be done. You have to understand where it's coming from. Right. Without understanding about it, you can't just change the behavior without an understanding of why you're changing it. If you don't know what the wound is and why you're doing it, and then... 
it's almost like you're extending grace and compassion to yourself, right. which you've had to do. Right. You know, you're, we're all only human. Right. If we have a chemical imbalance or we have a mental imbalance, it's a matter of recognizing it, extending grace, saying, okay, this has had control over me. Right. And if you can, right, and which everybody can, um, it's also about changing that behavior, you know, and sometimes that means intervention, like, you know, with uh, AA, you've got yeah. a support system. Yeah. And that's something good. If I could jump in here, yeah. it's, you know, it's a WE program. You know, I have an incredible mentor who's like a father to me. Um, and I talk to him probably four or five times a day. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I run everything by him. And I didn't used to do that. So, you know, before I want to send an email, an aggressive email and or an aggressive text, or if I want to make a, um, a decision, I call him first. And the first thing he says is, what's your motives? Right. What's your motives in this? And that's where I get honest. And, and it may look like a really good idea. And I said, you got me. You know, my motive is I want what I want. And it's a selfish motive. And thank God I've got a program that I work and a God of my understanding that I have tools today. Because when I was sick and in active addiction, I was the king at shooting before aiming. Right. You know? And I just, bah, 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 bah. and then it's all over with. It felt horrible. So I would drink and do more drugs uh, to make it go away. And it yeah. didn't go away. Yeah, it made it worse. I, I wonder sometimes with, uh, with addicts um, that do how far how how far do the repercussions have to go how far does the punishment and the consequence of your actions have to go before you're willing to accept that you have a problem and i think that's the denial such a tough oh it's such well, a tough was delusional we become delusional i always say this when i speak you know um i drank alcohol and i did drugs because i wanted to feel like everybody around me looked and that's why I did that. And at the end of the road, at the end of the road, I was drinking alcohol and doing drugs because I wanted to feel good about the bad decisions I was making. I wanted to feel good about the people that I was hurting and I didn't mean to hurt them, right. you know? And so, and what happens is that you have a low bottom drunk or drug addict, you know, and you have a high bottom and high bottoms are the ones that they catch it in time. You know, they still got all their stuff and, and they make the decision to get clean. I'm a low, 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 low bottom drunk where I literally was homeless, you know, yeah. and, and incarcerated. But that's what it took for me. And I'm grateful for that today because now I get to use that, my experience, uh, to help other people, especially men, you right. know. And that's my big passion is our crisis today is the missing man. Yeah. I don't want to go off on a bunny trail on a new topic, and we can talk about that later. But that's our crisis today is the missing man. It's time for men to take back the dinner table. Yeah, and you know, that that really, um, I, I don't want to get started on that particular topic only because it is another show in right. itself because there's right. so many aspects I'm to just that. teasing you, so you have to invite me but, back. Yeah, right. But, um, but, but yeah, so Jeff had asked about codependency, um, uh, and um, yes, codependency also, I mean, that also is rooted in OCD too, yeah. um, a little bit, but, um, yeah, codependency plays into this as well, um, yeah. with alcoholism and with people who attract them as right. well. Right. Um, and also with, uh, a narcissist, um, with narcissism, that's another, I can't wait to talk about that I because know. you're teaching me so much about that. Uh, well, it's a, it's a crazy subject. Um, and we will get there. Uh, Jim says, do you feel that addiction, uh, is almost always a product of something going on with, within ourself? Um, Jim, it depends on the addiction. It could be chemical and then it's, it is something going on, but it's chemical. Yeah. And now and I agree with you on that. The chemical is that, you know, if I were to drink today, I've, I'm a social drinker for about eight minutes, all right? And then, but once the alcohol hits my body, the, the phenomenon of craving occurs and I can't stop. So there is a chemical, you know, it is a disease. Right. It's a disease of the mind. There is, um, you know, there's a brain response that my brain does that yours doesn't. Right. And so there is a chemical response to it, but there's something very spiritual for me to overcome it. You know, if you ask the question, you know, you're going to go the rest of your life without drinking? No, I don't put my that pressure on me. I can go the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is the thinking that if the thought of drinking or drugs enter my mind, I got to call my mentor immediately because something in something deep down inside is is making that happen. And a lot of it's fear. 
And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think with anybody, whatever it is, whatever your challenge is, um, we have to remember that we're only human. And people think, you know, I, I know one of my clients said to me yesterday, like, why, how are you so strong? How do you, I'm not always, you know, it's because I'm, I discipline and I, I recognize when something's off or when, um, when I need to put a boundary up or when I haven't set a boundary. And so it's, it's, it's a matter of catching yourself. Right. The master catches themselves before it gets out of control. Oh, I like that. And well, my mentor taught me that years ago yeah. because he had said like even, you know, Gandhi and Buddha and everybody, God, right. perfect. We're, but they, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of how quickly you catch yourself. All, everybody falls. It's how quickly you are able to catch yourself. And that's, right. that's what mastery is about. And we never actually master it. We just work toward it every day. I had to catch myself driving over here. I almost had a drink driving over here. <laughs> Riding me? with Jennifer Stiers <laughs> will get you close to God. <laughs> I've never had the craving to drink until I drove with Jennifer. Um, we got here, didn't we? In about 36 seconds. <laughs> we came from Tulsa. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, so... Uh, so all of you, you know, that are watching, if, you know, I know everybody that this is a, that we have a platform for relationships and love. So I want to say that if you feel like your life is incomplete without a partner, then there's an imbalance. Right. And what do you mean an imbalance? There's what? an imbalance of your priorities and your, um, it, it, just mentally where you need to be, emotionally where you need to be. And, and what are some symptoms? What's some symptoms of that? What's it look like live on stage? Well, I said some just a minute ago. You did. So I wasn't listening. List, that's okay. <laughs> um, but feeling lost, you yeah. know, without a partner, feeling like your life isn't complete. Um, it's a difference between wanting a partner and feeling like you're not enough or that your life isn't complete or that you can't survive without love and people feel that way. Right. Um, and overly being overly dependent on a partner, um, overlooking things just to have somebody in your life. Right. And I know people do that too. Um, overlook really bad behavior. Just they'd rather be with somebody being treated like crap. Right. Than alone. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know um, one thing real quick. Yeah. You just you're you're hitting a lot of key good stuff for me, and I want to share this. You know, so your viewers can see this. You know, growing up, I was abandoned a lot and, and having abandonment issues and betrayal. And so I catch myself that when I let someone, I, I'm known as a loner. I mean, y'all need to know that, you know, Kim Gatlin and, 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 and Jennifer and, and Lee and my sponsor, they're the only ones in my life. You know, they're the ones I let in where I can be transparent with because I have major trust issues because of my upbringing. And that kind of leads into getting in a relationship. You know, get, I get in a relationship. I don't want, I don't want to lose them because of mm -hmm. that fear. Um, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, um, and I know God's got me on a season right now, once again, because when I was incarcerated and when I was released, I man, I just loved who I was. I mean, I still love who I am, but I mean, I just, I was at peace, right? you know, and I'm searching for that peace again today. I have moments of it, but I get in that moment of reflecting on the past and that morbid reflection and man, it gets that, it gets that stomach churning again. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, everything spurs some other conversation with me and I do want to, I, I do want to talk about this at another point, yeah. probably with you, where we talk about people's needs in a relationship and how we go about getting those met right? and the healthy ways and the unhealthy ways that we do that. I know what it was, it, you know, get, being a real, our inner child is triggered, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And we become very codependent and the love addiction kicks in and we don't realize, we don't realize we, what we're doing. Oh yeah. It's a trigger. It's a wound. Right. And it's not anything that you could, some people can't even put their finger on it. They right. don't even, they haven't even realized what that was. And, uh, so Jeff says it's an awful to be involved with a involved with a narcissist. There's no reasonable reaction from them. Uh, no one is perfect. Um, we're all a work in progress. Correct, correct. Um, hey, Jerry Ann. Hey, Denise. Uh, hello, Lars. Welcome. Uh, glad you guys all could join us today. Um, so, you know, people. If you feel like you can't function without a partner, there's a problem. Just like if you feel. Let's talk about sex addiction. I mean, I'll spend very little time on this as well, but it's... Is this it a four-hour show? It is real. 
Yeah, it, it is. is so real. And again, more real too. Again, after COVID, the amount of people that got addicted to porn yeah. during COVID, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so it, it's there, and there's so much available. The internet now, there's so much available. And people don't realize that things like that, like porn, it desensitizes you. Um, people that are addicted to it, it's not real. Right. <laughs> I remember having this discussion with my stepson years ago. What you're seeing isn't real. If you grow up thinking that this is what women do, you're going to have a horrible time in relationships. Right. You're going to have very dysfunctional relationships. It's not real. It's not, and, and it will keep you from also from being able to be intimate with a person that you're attracted to and want to be with. Right. Because there's a level of, um, of, uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Stimulation right. that you'll never reach with a real partner yeah. that you get from right. porn addiction right. and sex addiction. So it's, it's really important, anyone that may be dealing with that, that you unplug. I mean, as hard as it is, it's making a decision to watch it or not watch it. Is it available? Yes, it's always available. Is it chemical that you can't stop, like Michael's talking about with alcoholism? It's not. It's not. So uh, just know that if you click on it, you decide to watch it, you decide to continue, that's a decision. Right. We, 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 that, we make that our source. And, yeah. You know, I'm, one thing I do like to you know, brag about, and, and men will go, yeah, right, is, is porn and sex addiction was something that I didn't struggle with. And I, I, I saw porn like two times. It disgusted me. I just, I didn't do that. I heard Kevin Hart say, Kevin Hart said a deal. He goes, men don't watch porn because that's like trying to learn karate and then walking out trying to get in a karate fight with Bruce Lee. You just can't pull, <laughs> you can't perform it like, they did, yeah. like you see it on TV. Yeah. But, but I do, you know, I do talk to a lot of men about it and, and I just, I treat it like alcohol in that their life becomes unmanageable yeah. and they're powerless over it. And it's a lot of shame. It's a lot of shame. And once, you know, you're, once again, raise your hand. Why do I, I don't know why I'm doing this? Why am I doing this? And get honest and reach out to another man who is um, a porn addict survivor, you know, who right. has worked through it and have that man, you know, help you through, you know, reach out to a man. You want what they got. Of course. And the other part of it, and I guess this is where um, just me comes in, because if it's not a chemical addiction, if it's not something you need, like people that are addicted to alcohol, if they just stop cold turkey, they could die. I mean, they could die right. because there's chemicals that that you there. There's going to be a chemical imbalance very quickly. You can't if you're depressed. You can't get off your depression medicine, right? There's a chemical that's necessary there. With love or sex addiction, there's no chemical tie. You can make the decision to stop and you can stop. Right. And I, I'm, I'm going to be firm about that because at the end of the day, we have to, if we have no control over ourselves, if we have no control over ourselves, we, we can't function in life. We oh, become we, unmanageable, as, as yeah. you would say. Right? Well, and, well the, the also, we, we can't lose track that these addictions that are not chemical, right. all right, um, ultimately lead to death, suicide. You know, the suicide rate because of the guilt and shame, because, yes. you know, all this, a lot of suicides that you hear, once they start peeling back the layers of onions, we always hear about, you know, this dark stuff. And it's like, man, why didn't he just, why didn't he just ask for help? You know, why didn't so she, true. why didn't she just ask for help? Because, you know, that's where, God, we can have some good shows and, and healthy debates about yeah. this because it's, it's very sad. Uh, Jeff has said, but sex is a chemical addiction. Your body puts out chemicals in the brain just like cocaine. Yeah, and I was going to talk about that, the dopamine. Yeah, you are correct, but there's other things that you can get a dopamine rise on besides porn or sex. So I get it. And there's nothing wrong with sex. Sex is great. I yeah. mean, but if you have a, a sex addiction... You're it's really selfish. not making it is. Yeah, you're not selfish. you're not with the person. It's mm. not about sex with the person. It's about your own pleasure. Right. And your own yeah, your own pleasure. <laughs> right. Yeah, I could say a lot of things, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but it's your own pleasure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> keep it clean. As yes. clean as possible. Um, but but yes, there there is and I'm gonna tell you something, you know, um doing laundry, Jeff, 
For a woman, doing laundry and cleaning the house and cooking and multitasking, guess what? That's also a chemical release. That yeah. that releases oxytocin. Right. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go do that. I mean, we, there's a million things. So you don't have sex while you're doing laundry? <laughs> 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 That'd be double release. Yeah, that's right up there with the airplane in the bathroom. Right, sex. right. I don't know. I mean, how do you, you can't, even, you can't even move in there? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't know, Jennifer. <laughs> um, but that's right. He, it's a, it's a good point about you know. I, that's why I was doing the things I was doing. Is to, I didn't, I couldn't tell you at the time. I mean, yeah. hey, I need some cocaine so I can release my dopamine. I mean, I never made that announcement, but that's you know, what we're trying to search for is that dopamine Again, level. though, Michael, it's different with somebody that is, that actually has, like you didn't know at the time that you were bipolar, right? but when you're bipolar, you need things to go to sleep and you need things That's to get up. That's so it perfect. Is, it is a self-medicating cycle. That's so perfect. And so, yes, you actually... Your body may have needed that. that that's a good point because, um, and I had to self-medicate because opiates, when I was on opiates, I would go up. Yeah. All right. Cocaine leveled me out. Yeah. Um, and then I would drink alcohol and it would stimulate me. It wouldn't chill me out. So mm -hmm. that's a, that's what I was doing with self-medicating. But, but, but when we have, when our body is making enough dopamine and other natural chemicals, um, Jeff, we don't need to use sex or porn to get those, to release those chemicals, there are healthier choices and that's a choice. Well, and that's where therapy comes in. Sure. I mean, absolutely. I highly recommend that. Jasmine says, and this is for you, Michael, do you have any tips to figure out if someone is an alcoholic? I've dated someone who drank behind my back and hid it. That's an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, did he hide eating Cheerios in the morning behind your back? I mean, so alcoholics are very, you know, they're very open about saying, and they think they're th throwing a fast one against us. I'm only going to drink on the weekend, alcoholic. You know, yeah. I, I'm going to drink beer, not liquor, alcoholic. You know, I'm only... I'll, I only, only I'm drink only... when I'm out with my friends. I don't right. drink by myself. I've never announced that I'm only going to drink Dr. Pepper on the weekend. I don't think about it. I'm not powerless over it. My, I don't go to prison for drinking Dr. Pepper. So that's a red flag. You know, if someone, you know... It's funny because people will come up to me that, that know what I do and they'll walk up to me just hammered and they'll go, you know, I love what you're doing. I love your message. And um, I only drink on the weekends. I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> when someone says they're not an alcoholic, yeah. there might be a problem. Now, how do you approach that? For the lady who said that, the way you approach it is, is have a person in recovery, you know, talk send them to my show, you know, let them watch it by themselves and a seed will be planted because you can't address the alcoholic and say, you have a problem. Based on my experience, my walls would go up because all I heard was this, you're a bad person. Right. Right. No, of course. And, and Jasmine says, how do you figure it out? So she wants to know how to figure out if they're an alcoholic. Well, there might be some signs of codependency right there, right. you know, and that's where Jennifer, and that's very common, you know, uh, Jasmine, there's a, there's a, fellowship called Al-Anon, you know, that's very good. There's Jennifer Stiers, um, and the therapist can help you because what happens is, is that Jasmine needs to start taking care of herself. She's trying to fix the alcoholic, you know, with these questions. Very normal. Um, only the alcoholic can change. And that's very hard when you love someone, you know, that, that you see, you know, you want to get involved in it. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. If that worked, I'd have got sober a long time ago with my wife and my mom and 100%. my dad. Um, and you know what? It's a choice, Jasmine, too, because if you think somebody is and whether they admit it or not, if it's if it's not working in your life, then you've got a decision to make. It doesn't matter what decision they make. It doesn't matter whether they admit it or not. And we don't need to figure it out for them. If we think they are, then they then they probably yeah. are. But regardless, you need to make decisions for you. And if it doesn't work for you, then you need to make a different decision. Yeah, Jasmine. I think that's what Michael's yeah. saying. Jasmine, message me on M to the Rock, and I'll send you some links that can help you out. Okay, so let's let's get into because we um we're we're into the show. I want to make sure we touch already because there's a lot of people wondering about. Um, we have about 20 minutes left about narcissism. So yes. let's talk about narcissism. Um, it, it is um it is a mental disorder. I mean, in it a is. sense, okay. I don't. I guess I don't. I want to be really careful how I position that. Um, is it in the DM five book or what you called it? It DSM. Yeah, yeah it is, but it's a, it is a person it's listed as a personality disorder. Okay. okay. 
Um, so um, not a chemical, but a personality disorder, cool, which it is. Yeah. It is. And um, narcissism. So let's talk about um, like where it comes from, because usually narcissism, narcissists are created. They are created because of their childhood, because of their experiences. Um, And there are a wide variety of experiences that can create personality disorders. And there's different degrees of narcissism Mm -hmm. that um, people can um, pick up and exhibit. Some of them are obvious and some of them aren't. So I'm just going to go, uh, I didn't. So you're going to touch on signs of a narcissism well, so, or yeah. narcissist. So I can't symptoms, say yeah, symptoms. Uh, symptoms of it. Um, so there's the first one is grandiosity, um, exaggerated sense of self-importance, feeling superior to others, um, and feeling like they deserve special treatment. Feelings are often accompanied by fantasies of unlimited success, brilliance, power, beauty, or love. So the people that are overly obsessed with having a platform or their needed tension, a social media, um, you know, uh, you see it a lot of times with media people, Yeah, you know, because it's all about them. Yeah. Where they're needing, they need eyes on them. They need um, the attention, but anybody that needs that kind of attention, but that also that the fantasies of being, a famous singer or a famous um, writer or a famous um, person in television, um, you know, any of these type of um, type of things is grandiose mm-hmm. type behavior. Um, that's a, a big sign. Right. They also idolize other people in positions like that. Right. So um, they they're 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 your name droppers. Right. They're the people that feel like they have to be associated with you know, people that have a name or a reputation so that they can use them right. to, uh, to get, to climb their own ladder. I drop your name a lot. You do. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> people run. Um, an excessive need for admiration. So must be a center of attention, monopolizes conversations, mm-hmm. um, uh, feel slighted, uh, mistreated, depleted, or enraged when they're ignored. Mm. You know, this is one of my hot buttons with people, wow, but good. when I know, but when you meet those people and it's all about them, yeah, it's all about them and they want, it doesn't matter what's going on with anybody else. It's always when the, when the attention goes off of them onto someone else or someone else's plight, they'll find a way to bring it back to make it about them because it has to be about them. Wow. It has to be about their stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, I know. We and we've all been here. Right. There's not probably one person that's watching that hasn't been touched by the life of a narcissist. And by the way, for many of you that are in or have been in narcissistic relationships, you also need to look at um you also need to look at who is the narcissist yeah. in your world. Yeah. So if you're attracting narcissists, you have to look at and it's hard. It's a hard thing to look at your mom and dad and yeah. go, Oh my gosh. Was one of my parents a narcissist. Yeah. It might surprise you. So um, I'm not going to go through all that, but you may want to look that up, you know, because children of narcissists tend to attract narcissists. Mm. Um, I've just seen it. So, um, and then Denise says, be careful of the covert narcissist. You don't even see it. Um, I didn't realize I was with a covert until a month after I left when I realized I blocked all ties with them. Yeah. We talked about that the other night. We did. Yeah. We did. Gosh, there's so much to talk about. We could have our own show on this. Let me ask you this real quick. Yeah. I don't mean, so if a narcissist is, let's just say they're watching. Okay. <laughs> they may not know they're a narcissist, but what if somebody, what if somebody says, you know what? I just heard what you said and that's me. That's me. How, can they get help? I mean, can they be changed? I mean, can they, can they say I was once a narcissist and and now, the narcissist watching is going to go, oh my God, I know somebody like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you ask yourself, I see my hair like flying. If you ask yourself if you're a narcissist, uh-huh. then you're not. I feel sorry for If them. you question yourself, they don't, they don't question them. They don't even go. And if you call them a narcissist, they'll get super defensive. Yeah. They'll call you one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's called gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but seriously, I, 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 my heart goes out to the narcissist. Is there hope for them? Can yeah. they change? I mean, I've, with God, anything can happen. But 
I mean, can this person change and be on your show one day? And he comes in here and sits down and says, listen, I was a narcissist and I'm in recovery from that. And this is, I mean, do you hear those stories? No. 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 Wow. No. And, you know, I have a friend, um, a, a girlfriend of mine who's a therapist, and she'll, she will say that narcissists can change. She will say it. But I, she's the only person I've ever heard that has said that. Wow. Um, I don't like labels, so I'll be the first to say um, I think narcissism, the term is overused. I think people, there's lots of people that um, exhibit narcissistic behavior. I mean, we all have aspects of it. Does it make you a narcissist? No. Does it make them a narcissist? No. So we have to be really careful with the term yeah. because it's overused. And, and the, the narcissist that's a sociopath and this, this real, like this, this grandiose narcissist. Yeah. The amount of people that are actually diagnosed as that are very small. It's okay. a very small number. Yeah. So the scale of narcissism is all over the place. Right. So, um, so God, uh, this is good stuff. Let's go through, try to quickly. Um, they have superficial um, and ex exploitative relationships. They're based on surface attributes and not the unique qualities of others. Um, people are only valued only to the extent which they're viewed as beneficial. So they use people. Mm. Um, they may, you know, they th these are also people that want to make sure that whoever they're with looks good, you know, and is is a you know a, a accurate you know. Um, representation of them and how they think they should be or who they think they should be with. Um, and they use people. They plow through people. To get to where they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, lack of empathy. And we've all heard about this, but um, lack of empathy. Um, the inability to even understand where someone else is coming from. Right. That whole idea of walking in someone else's shoes, when you go, put yourself in my shoes, say that to a narcissist because they can't. Wow. They can't. And if you say that, you'll usually get gaslighted. That's They'll, they'll turn it back because they're not willing to walk in your shoes for wow. a second. Wow. So um, it's not something that they're even capable of doing. They're not willing to put them. They'll say, walk in my shoes. You know, this is where you're coming from. Here's where I'm coming from. Everybody that's been you don't know a, what you're talking about. Uh, been with a narcissist knows. Jamie says, "Run if you can." <laughs> Jamie knows. Um, They'll come after you. And he says, "I don't think a narcissist can change." Um, yes, uh, I, I. Can I, I share I, something that you said the other day? I want sure. you to touch on this. You said that a, a lot of times empathetic people attract a narcissistic person and narcissistic people. Am I saying this right? Narcissistic. Yes. And narcissistic people gravitate towards empathetic people. Man, that's powerful. Well, touch on that. Well, it's because of the fact that the narcissist wants to be able to control. Mm. And the only way they're going to be able to control uh, is if they're with someone who can be controlled. Yes. Who is either overly empathetic, overly understanding, overly giving, overly sensitive, and there's that fine line, which is why everybody needs to be healthy. If you've been with a narcissist, get yourself healthy because there's certain boundaries you need to put up. When when somebody tests your boundaries, if they if it's a narcissist and they see that they're testing your boundaries and you're failing, they're, they're in. Wow. Because they know they can use their powers wow. to do what they need to do. And there's lots of ways in which they can wreck your life. You know, they isolate you. Um they uh, they can be very jealous. They're off doing whatever they're doing, but you're not allowed to do it. Right. Um, they isolate. They abuse. They control. But they find people they can do that with. Yeah. And and the know, empathetic person thinks they're going crazy. Oh yeah. 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 Well, and here's why. And this is what I always tell you guys, and those of you that have coached with me know. You can't understand what they're doing. You can't wrap your head around it because you're not a narcissist. Yes. And that's the hardest thing because people are like, well, help me understand. Why did they do that? Or help me understand why, you know, they would treat me this way. Or if they loved me, why they would do this? Because you, we can't, I can't. They're, they, that's, that's the brain of a narcissist. And I can't, I can't explain it because I'm not one. <laughs> Man, I'm so, getting an hour of free counseling. Yeah, this is so beautiful. It's, it's, it is so important that you understand that you going into self-analysis for five years after your relationship with an artist is not going to help because 
you'll never understand why they did what they did. Mm. You'll never understand why they didn't love you the way you wanted to be loved. They'll ne you'll never understand why you were treated or betrayed or abused. You'll never understand why they did what they did. I feel sorry for them. Why do I feel sorry for them? <laughs> because I'm empathetic. empathetic. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we are. <laughs> Here I, I just showed my cards. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, because that's my um, gift. I love to serve and help people, and it just it saddens me. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is that, and I can say this as a counselor, I can't help anybody that can't that that can't admit they need help. Right. If somebody sits in front of me and says, "Well, I don't need your help. I'm fine. You're, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm not going to waste my breath." Right. Why did you call? Energy. Why did you call me and set up an appointment? Right. But, <laughs> but it's the same thing with a narcissist. You can't. You can't help them, but that's but you wanting to is why you attract them. Wow. Because when you stop thinking you can fix somebody else or you can heal somebody else so you can make somebody's journey better or your poor you, you've had this hard life, um, I can empathize with you mm -hmm. and make it better and be better and show you something different. Just stop. Because that's all your own stuff and your own lies and your own, you know, inability. God, to that be was beautiful. Healed. Are we yeah. having a moment right now? You want to go out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, all right. So, um, so Jamie says my narcissistic ex turned everything around as if um, they were the victim. Yes. Uh, they create yes. they create stories. It was scary. You know, Jamie, it is amazing. I hear this all the time. Narcissists will make things up and then they think it happened. So they they make stuff up. It's the most bizarre thing, but anybody that's ever been with one, you'll say, well, you just said this. And they'll go, I never said that. That's so true. Right? I mean, and that, that that's, there, there's a difference between, there's gaslighting where they'll do it, you know, intentionally well, you know, they'll turn it around on you. But this is different. This is like, they will tell you a story. Well, you know what? Mary said that you were um, hitting on her, you know, and you go, well, why would Mary say that? I wasn't I never, even there. Yeah, I wasn't even there. And then you confront Mary or whatever about it. And then you go back to the narcissist and they go, I never said that. Yeah, I was in Hawaii. I never said that you were hitting <laughs> on her. And, and I, what I'm, it sounds insane. But it is because they will make up stories in order to get their way or to manipulate a situation. And then they, maybe they don't remember. Again, I don't know. But regardless, then they'll tell you, no, you're crazy. I never said that. I never said that. You, everybody knows, right? This has been the greatest Jeff's show. Here, Jamie's here. We, these are two people that have been in narcissistic relationships. Um, you'll never understand their motives because you don't have that thought process. That's right, Jeff. Um, so how do we heal from it? Uh, well, the knowledge is power. Yeah. So for me, um, it's understanding what your role was. Right. I know you love that. Right. What was your role in it? Yeah, we talked about that last night. Right. And healing you. Yeah. Because number one, when you heal you and you understand what your role was, codependency, um, needing to fix whatever the wound is for you, you fix that. Then you are knowledgeable about what a narcissist is, who they are, what their behaviors are, and which I haven't I haven't finished going through, but um, um, but what their behaviors are, and then getting out. Yeah. immediately getting out. And, you know, I want to bring up one particular thing that you'll see a lot with narcissists is love bombing. If it feels too good to be true, if somebody's coming on too strong, they're saying all the right things, they're doing all the right things from the beginning, um, they're, they seem too perfect, you're probably getting love bombed. Gotcha. So everybody, you know, uh, there's, there's a difference between a natural connection where you feel a, a connection with somebody and it's healthy and it's, you feel understood, you feel like you have commonalities, um, you know, there's, there's just a connection versus feeling like somebody's known you their whole life. Right. Right. And feeling like they understand you and they get me, you know, that is a wound. Yeah. That's a wound. And so everybody that has dealt with narcissists, 
you need to heal your stuff so you don't go in with a gaping wound. With help. Yeah. With help. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. This is, I've been on thousands of shows. This has been the greatest show I've ever been on. I've learned I so love you. much. because you love me. I do. We're dating now. <laughs> We're dating now. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Jeff says, um, Oh, he loves me too. Okay, good. I love you too. I love all of you. Um, okay, vulnerability. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I want to um, I want to just say before we get off the narcissistic thing, because you can look up the traits of a narcissist, and I should have gone through them, but I didn't go through all of the traits. You did, you did pretty good. But one of the psychological things um, that you need to you have to look at when you're with a narcissist is their inability to actually really connect and be in a relationship with somebody. That's the important point is they will go only so far and everybody knows that's been in a relationship with them. You're only going to get them so far. And when they feel vulnerable, when they feel, um, when they feel vulnerable, that's when the psych, their cycles start. That's when they lie. That's when they betray. That's when they cheat. That's when their behavior goes off. Because they, they're unconsciously putting up walls. They're mm. unconsciously, they're trying to keep themselves safe. Yeah. Which everybody is, and I yeah. get it. But, um, but uh, they, they're, they're, there's a superficiality. They let you see what you want them to see, what they want you to see. I'm sorry. Mm. And then if you get too close and you see the ugly and you see the wound and you see their manipulative behavior and you call them out on it, you can bet that their behavior, as much as they were a love bomber, that it will turn a 360 in the other direction. They will, they will try to ruin you if they can to discredit you so that you don't discredit them. It's, right. it is, it's a very dangerous relationship to be in. So that's why knowledge is power. Um, if you're in a relationship with somebody you think might be a narcissist, my favorite book is called Disarming the Narcissist, mm. and it's all about learning behaviors and how to put up your boundaries and how to react or non-react, not react to um, narcissistic abuse and behavior. Mm -hmm. So um, super important that you show up with knowledge. Well, and we ought to do a show on resentments because, you know, a lot of us get resentful getting out of a relationship like that because... We have to forgive, yeah. you know, that's how we have to forgive and, yeah. and pray for that person. You know, we pray for them and it just saddens me that, that they, from what I'm hearing, they just can't change. And it's that one thing is, is when looking at background, they've been through multiple, multiple relationships. Could they change if they healed, if they really did the work? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if they really did the 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 work from their childhood and really got that, into the wounds, and that makes sense, inner child. But it's programming, so you got to think how this cycle works. Is that let's just say with certain types of narcissists, they may have an overly doting parent, so their entire life, their mother or their father has been telling them how great they are and they're mm. wonderful and this and that. So they have this grandiose sense of of who they are. Right. And it's built in. It's yeah. built in deep, right? Um, same with neglect. When they've been neglected or abandoned, yeah, all of their belief system. And that is, makes sense to me. Yeah. Putting that shield up to be protective, yeah. because the common denominator, what I've heard, is horrible abuse, horrible upbringing. Yeah. So I mean, all they got is themselves protecting and and but, not but letting again, anybody. It's in. learned behaviors. Yeah. It's, it's beliefs to get them through and to survive, to get them to where they've gotten, and it takes a lot of cognitive therapy and work to change your belief system, and that takes a level of stepping outside of yourself in admitting that you have a problem. And that becomes and that, that becomes very very frustrating for the empathetic partner. You know, it's kind of like, this is easy. Yeah, this is easy. Just, and it's, it's tough. Yeah. Well, um, so Jamie says, I must say that I have no resentment. I want her to do well and I'm grateful to be free. Praise God. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's, that's your sweetheart, Jamie. Um, you have to meet him. Just well, and so, person. so people who are struggling, you know, women who are struggling with, um, trying to recover from a narcissist, you know, partner, 
Jamie's a good person to reach out to. You know, you are. You know, I'm a big believer women work with women and men work with men in the public. I mean, yeah. you, you, you're gifted that you can talk to both of them. Do you recognize a narcissistic person that comes to you and, and how do you handle that? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, episode 42 on the Love Gen Show. I, I do. <laughs> it's not that I haven't been victim myself to narcissistic, yeah. me, narcissistic type men at times. Um, I was able to recognize it yeah. and, and stop. Um, but I do recognize the behavior immediately and it's, it could not be more of a turnoff for me. So I'll, I'll move in the other direction quickly. Yeah. Um, I get it. So yeah. And we've known, we've known we got, many as yeah. friends, we've known yeah. many and I Her, exit stage left pretty quick. Yeah. So, um, but once and a lot you, of us learn through pain. You know, yeah. Once you know, and you start to recognize, then you have to make choices that are healthy for you. And right. it's always up to you to, to step out and know why you stepped in. Right. Um, okay. So, um, you know what? I Time flew. It's a whole hour. What a great um, show. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think narcissism fits in because it is an addiction. Sometimes if you're not healed and you're codependent and you're not healed, you will be addicted to, in a sense, yeah. um, and attracted to the narcissistic behavior. So. Right. Um, we've got to do the work, people. Um, and if you do need help, whether it be depression, whether it be alcoholism, drug abuse, um, porn addiction, um, sex addiction, love addiction, there are plenty of sources. Um, I will tell you, Michael, I love him. He's got one of the most grassroots, um, one of the most grassroots programs and, so, and resources for helping you um, with addiction, with alcohol and drug addiction. Um, you can follow him as he's M to the Rock. Um, I think I have him tagged on the post. So M to the Rock. There you go. And um, he puts posts up and does videos. And um, if anybody that wants to learn more, even with all these cycles with narcissism and everything, he talks about all of it. And it all is pertinent and it all relates to, to, it, to each other. Um, so. Um, and then love addiction, porn addiction, sex addiction, all of these, there are resources. There are groups. If you need group support, there are groups for all of this. Um, I can look up and post, but there are groups for all of this. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. And thank you all for being here. Uh, and um, and uh, time's up. <laughs> here we go. Um, all right. I'll see you guys again in two weeks. So have a great weekend. Thanks for being here. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Each show, we're going to have new topics and information. If you'd like to find out more about coaching or matchmaking, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on my Facebook page, my personal page at Jennifer Styers.